Hello, welcome back to the Paddock Picks podcast. Uh, Charlie, it's been a while. How are you keeping? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, football obviously didn't come home. And yeah, we all sort of got wrapped up in that, didn't we? So no podcast for a while. But uh, yeah, things are very good, mate. Uh, summer's sort of slipping away quickly. Uh, right now, we're all sort of uh, in, in the yard trying to sort of not die of heat exhaustion as it's absolutely <laughs> scorching down here. And uh, yeah, as the as as true Brits, we're never quite happy. And, and right now, it's too hot to be working. So yeah, I don't know how it is in your office. It's, um, I'll tell you what, it's actually colder more than anything I think because they've cranked the the air con up so much um it, it actually feels like winter in the office at the moment you wouldn't believe it but uh you take one step outside and it's baking hot so, so do you kind of um work the horses slightly earlier in the morning at this time of year because just you know due to the heat yeah we try to I mean right now sort of all our sort of efforts are around you know breaking in the various horses that have arrived from the sales so a lot of youngsters around but yeah if we can get them out Again, because they're not really sort of tending to do like sort of full exercise like a horse in training we're, we're very fortunate and we've got this old railway line at the yard that's completely tree lined so there's a bit of a, a canopy and, and, a, and a shaded area for the horses to work in so we're not too bad from that point of view it's more for the for our team when they're in and around the yard is in there's just no getting away from the sweltering heat for the people once they're well, while they're mucking out and, and doing all the things that we do to keep the yard ticking over so if we can get done quicker at this time of year we do try to and uh try and keep them with a constant flow of ice lollies and water you know <laughs> just to try and uh, keep the edge off fantastic yeah i think uh, as you say the the weather is going to change course tomorrow isn't it and uh, we'll probably all be moaning again that the sun's no longer here and as you quite right yeah, quite quite rightly allude to as british people we're never quite happy are we so uh, no, uh, we'll, we'll never, en- ever. enjoy it while it's here um myself and charlie are delighted to be joined on the line by hannah baycroft also known as racing with hannah on twitter hannah we obviously appreciate your time how are you keeping very good, thank you. The same with you guys. I mean, I have been one of those people that have all week been saying, oh my goodness, it's so hot. But then the minute that it rains, <laughs> I'm moaning that it's raining. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm a bit gutted that we're kind of going to be, you know, landed with rain this weekend. But hey, we can just say we've had a good summer this week. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I'm all very good, thank you. Fantastic. Um, I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll kickstart. Normally what we do, Hannah, is uh, I'll, I'll just fire a few quickfire questions, both yours and Charlie's way, uh, and we'll just see if we can get a difference of opinion on any of these topics. Um, so we'll start with the first one. Um, Charlie, I'll come to you first, obviously with uh, COVID restrictions in England officially lifting uh, early this week. Face masks, is yours well and truly in the bin or will you still persist with them where necessary? well and truly in the bin i'm sure this will horrify plenty of people out there but uh look i i'm i'm double jab now dom and you know as in i struggled wearing them from the from the get-go and yeah being completely honest if if i've got the opportunity to get that face mask off and chuck it in the bin then in the bin it goes for me And, and i do respect anyone that still feels vulnerable and, and anxious about the situation but I also feel strongly right now that as a country we need to move forward and, and live with this virus mm-hmm. and and like I say get people vaccinated as quick as possible and like I say carry on with life and, and a big part of that is to, for, for interaction and everything else like that you want to see people's faces Dom and, and I don't certainly want mine hidden behind a mask <laughs> in in 30 degree heat so my mask in the bin mate your face is obviously far too pretty for that charlie of course so um i think that's a... of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you spoke to my mum you spoke to my mum yeah <laughs> fantastic um hannah yourself uh were you still persist with face masks or are you with charlie on this one yeah definitely i've been getting rid of my face mask but i have to say with certain things like if i've got a cold i might actually use a face mask because I was just thinking about it, you know, like it's probably helpful for other people if you've got a cold and you're around them, you don't really want to be catching someone else's cold. But yeah, I'm definitely not for the mask. I mean, I'm lucky that throughout the pandemic, I've been mostly outside, so I haven't had to wear it. But when I have had to wear it, you know, like when it covers your face, it's, I mean, look, I try and smile all the time and I say to people, I am smiling at you, okay? I'm not miserable under here. But it's funny because a lot of people, you know, you can't hear each other. And actually, 
half the time when I'm trying to listen to someone, I pull my own mask down. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I lip read other people as well, I found. And um, I found that hard, you know, when talking to people. But yeah, I'm very pleased to be getting rid of the mask, although I've got a collection that match my outfit. But yes, goodbye for the face mask. Hannah, do you know anyone that's had a cold in the last 18 months, though? Um, so, it's funny you should say this, because my mum has recently been really sick, and she thought it was COVID, but it wasn't. And um, I think she had, you know, just a regular flu. But we've come to the conclusion that because she hasn't been, you know, catching germs, much like all of us, we've been covered up. We haven't been catching germs and things. That the minute that we are, um, you know exposed to the regular germs we were before we're now catching them easier because um what, what would you say like our immune systems are lower would that be mm. the correct thing to say but do you know what i mean like it's probably easier that uh easier to catch colds now so um yeah my mum's recently been sick but it was covid thank goodness good to hear it only ever seems to be COVID at the moment, doesn't it? If it's mm. <laughs> if it's anything, I, I, know. I, I think as Charlie says, I think we've got to accept the fact that this thing is uh, it's probably here to stay. And I think you know the vaccination rollout has obviously been one of the the kind of the shining lights, other than England getting to the final in the Euros. That uh, obviously this country's kind of experienced this year. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I completely agree with that. Um, Hannah, I'll come to you for this one. You can only live with one of these for the rest of your life: Spotify or Netflix. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I don't have Spotify and so my partner's got Spotify and he won't let me um have Spotify as in like a shared one. Right. Um so I don't know why, but uh, yeah, no, Netflix definitely. I love Netflix. Netflix. Um I haven't really, I mean, I love it, but I haven't really watched it much recently. But yeah, I definitely say Netflix over Spotify. Yeah, it reminds you of a of lockdown. I think peak lockdown Netflix, doesn't it? Um, all those box sets mm-hmm. having, having to binge while we had nothing else to do. Um, Charlie, I'm not sure if yeah. you've got either of these, but if, if if I put a gun to your head and said Spotify or Netflix, one for the rest of your life, which one would you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm an Apple Music man, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah. So, um, uh, so are we allowed to say that on this? Oh, cool, know, of course, Apple yeah. Brand. Apple Music, um, yeah. So, and again, I actually don't have a Netflix account. Well, I mean, this is terrible to admit, but one of the team that works for us actually lent me their login details. So I, <laughs> if I use Netflix, I, I, I use their account. So, and yep. I'm, and I, I, so I'm going to go with Netflix because I got very into the Michael Jordan um, program, the, the oh, last dance. Yep. And I'm obsessed with uh, the, the F1 behind the scenes program, uh, which uh, I absolutely drive to survive. So I would say Netflix purely on the, yeah, purely because of those two programs. So I think they're about all I've ever watched on Netflix. But uh, <laughs> I would go with that over Spotify because I don't even have a Spotify account. So, yeah, that's, that's simple as that. Fantastic. Um, just as an F1 fan, Charlie, what was your opinion on the, the Lewis Hamilton incident last week? I, I think it's great to see, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it sort of throws me back to the days where Alan Prost and F and Senna and that, you know, were, were going at it and, they were driving into each other to kind of uh, enhance each other's prospects of trying to win a title. And, you know, for me, F1's got very, very sterile in, in recent times. I'm so technical, all about the strategies and, and the cars themselves. And it's kind of great to see two guys that, I mean, it looks at the moment like Max Verstappen has a slightly quicker car, but there's not that much between them. And they both like to race and drive aggressively. And I think you're probably going to see incidents like this happen again throughout the season if it stays as tight as it is and was it marginally Lewis's fault possibly but like I say I, I don't mind seeing that and, and like, it, like the, the, my in my immediate reaction to it was yeah it was a throwback to sort of times gone by in <laughs> F1 where there was a heck of a lot more sort of aggressive driving than there is now yeah great to see a bit of a, a bit of a ding dong on the track absolutely right um Obviously, the, the Olympics not too far away. Charlie, I'll come to you. Um, which event are you most looking forward to watching? It's, been, it's, it's kind of come upon us with such a low sort of fanfare, hasn't it? I've not really mm. got that excited by it, being completely honest. I mean, I suppose from a, a great British point of view, I'm really looking forward to seeing Dina Asher-Smith in the 200 metres. You know, she's world champion. She ran fantastically well in, in, in the 
sort of build up to this, and, and I, I hope she brings a gold medal home because she's a she's a, she's a brilliant sports person, isn't she? And and yep. the sprint events at the Olympics are kind of what it's all about for me, and and seeing a a Brit in there pitching as as medal favourites really exciting. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and obviously, Hanny yourself, is there a, an, an event that you're kind of more <laughs> excited to watch than than, than the others? Um, I mean, I can't pretend that you know I've been. Um, looking into the Olympics loads and actually they were saying about it on the TV this morning how it's all very quiet about the Olympics and then suddenly bam then people get excited about it and apparently I didn't even know this that Britain came second in the last Olympics overall so I just think there could have been I mean there might have been a bit more hype I probably could have watched more TV on it Um, but if there was more hype on it I think I'd have been a bit more excited but um, for me because I would, I can't really pick one because you know I I don't um what what I wouldn't be sitting down watching it every day, but I would definitely enjoy watching new sports and seeing what's happening. Um, I do quite enjoy the swimming. That's always mm-hmm. quite interesting to watch, yeah. and it's nice to see uh, you know a big pool of talent and what these people can do. But I do feel sorry for the athletes who have been training for this for years, and and you know if they get a negative, uh, sorry, a positive. Covid test. Mm. This could all come crashing down, and I just think it's such sad times. And and you know, but I do hope it goes all well for them. Um, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a bit more hype on it, and I'm sure I will be one of those to jump on the wagon in a few uh, in a few <laughs> weeks and get involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Going back to what Hannah Hannah says, Tom, I, I think what a, a, a girl, a British girl that is number one in the world in the sort of trap shooting, has had a positive test, hasn't she? And she's not yeah. able to travel, and sort of her Olympic dream that four years of. Mm. incredible toil and graft to, to build up to this moment or well, five years because of the postponement yep. is sort of up gone in a puff of smoke and mm. I can't I can't imagine when you dedicate your life to something and, and the Olympics is the pinnacle and you are the best in the world how that must feel to have that snatched yep. away from you because of yep. COVID and how you bounce back from that you know so it's, it's really tough and, and going from what Hannah said about the swimming We've obviously got Adam Peaty, haven't we? Dom, mm. world record holder, and it is, is, the, is the best in his event. And certainly very exciting to see him compete as well. Yeah, quite right. These kind of household British names, like you say, and, and, and Adam Peaty has been has been one of those for for British swimming for for you know a number of years now, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, like you say, COVID, you know, you're one positive t- you know test away from from your all those kind of dreams, you know, crashing down on you. It's uh, it's obviously heartbreaking, and uh, you know, it would take a mentally strong person to come back from that for sure. But uh, only three years to go, of course. I believe, I believe uh, yeah. Paris is it? I believe is it Paris or is it LA? Paris next time round. Yeah. 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 There we go. So it's a, a, sh- a short turnaround, a bit like the World Cup. Obviously, it's only eighteen months away after the uh, the the the, pref- the plethora of sport that you know, football that we've had in the last month, and we've only got eighteen months to wait for it all over again. So, uh, so there we go. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll end. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. Exactly. Um, we'll end on a racing one. Obviously, it would be rude not to. Um, Hannah, will Batash retain his Qatar Stakes crown at Glorious Goodwood next week? Yeah. Now, the reason I said this is because I'm a big Bathurst fan. And despite what happened um, to him last time out, I'm not, I'm a huge fan. So I am not going to lose faith. I do believe um, he is going to. And, you know, it was amazing. I had the privilege of speaking to Jim Crowley uh, last year. For, I interviewed him for my channel. And oh, I just, it was so amazing to chat to the pilot of the machine. And, you know, I said to him, what does it feel like? Because he's just, incredible and actually you know most people want to meet celebrities i just want to meet Bata. <laughs> well i hope um for, for, for that reason in itself that batash does retain his crown uh next week charlie obviously you're a, you're a big glorious goodwood fan um do you think that the batmobile will win again a hundred percent yeah i mean look is in he's never been outstanding at Ascot and to me he's had a troubled preparation uh, I think he'd had a minor stress fracture during the winter and so they, they freely admitted his prep hadn't been ideal but to, like he, he looked every bit as good as ever at Ascot and I thought he got tired in the race itself mm. and it ran a nice comeback race this is a horse Tom that is unbeaten at Goodwood you know I think he's a, a is he a four-time winner of, of, of the of the big race next week of the King George State already yeah. and I don't see any reason it, it, he's absolutely made for Goodwood it, it, it's a track built for blindingly quick horses with fabulous speed which Batash is all about and yeah I, I think I'm looking through the race 
I'm not sure that there's a huge amount of depth into in in it, and I think anywhere near Batash's best is going to be better is going to be good enough. Yeah, I think it was it was it a track record that he set last year as well, I believe. In in the race, could well be. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise you. I think um, I think like you say, it's probably it probably says a lot about the horse that he can he can be thrown straight into a Group One and and, and probably just come on for the run and, and still finish fourth in a in a very competitive uh, race at, at Royal Ascot. You know, a, a course that that as you say, Charlie's probably not even you know. He's not seen to best effect around there, is he? So, um, so yeah, very, very much looking forward to seeing him uh, next week. Are you off to Goodwood, Charlie? I am going for the Tuesday. Yeah, as in yeah. we we always tend to go down for the Tuesday. We set, we have make a little break. We stay over on the Monday night in Midhurst, go racing on the Tuesday, and then stay over on the Tuesday. And then I'm well, I'm going to get the train back to London, working in London on Wednesday. So yeah, it should be be nice to be down there for sure. And then uh, yeah, it's going to be great to see people back on the downs and. For anyone that hasn't been as for a flat festival, it's my favourite, and I would strongly mm. recommend it to anyone. Yeah, amazing, Goodwood and uh, and Galway next week. Uh, brilliant, brilliant weeks racing, both uh, flat and jumps, as you say. Um, that's it for the quickfire questions, uh, Hannah. I just thought I'd come to you, uh, just just kind of give you the, the the platform, just to tell us a bit more about yourself. I know, of course, that um, many will, will know you as racing with Hannah on Twitter. You know, you've obviously amassed two thousand followers, and and you've spoken to and interviewed some some very you know highly notable figures uh, in the sport. So, what, what's your kind of background in horse racing? Um. Well, I'll firstly just tell you a bit about my whole background in general, because I think some people it's quite quite a bit out there so um I've always had um horses growing up with horses you know pony club and all of that um my mum's always had horses my grandparents were farmers and uh, my granddad was he loved racing absolutely loved racing he was really good friends with John Manners and um yeah he, he loved it so you know um I'd be at my grandma's and granddad's house and I'd be sat there watching it on tv I mean when I was younger I'd like you know I've always loved the horses been here for the horses so um that's what I grew up with. So always had the horse side, um, but I was also a dancer. So I had these two kind of career paths side by side. Um, I went to performing arts college and it was there that I've never tried to pigeonhole myself. And I mean, my passion is dancing. My passion is horse riding. And um, I graduated college um, and got my first presenting job. And I thought to myself, you know, I want to perform, but how can, you know, to, in order to, really enjoy life you have to work doing something you love every day therefore you're not working and I thought I had a bit of a brainstorm and I thought what could I do that I love and I just thought that and I thought because I've always thought about the people um on racing tv and stuff uh maybe jockeys um especially the pundits and I thought well actually I love it and because I love it why couldn't I be a racing presenter and ever since then um I just started to brainstorm, like I'm creative anyway, so I was coming up with ways that I could get myself out there. Um, I went to Cheltenham Festival last year before the pandemic, and um, I met Mike Catamol, and I told him, you know, what I wanted to do, and he gave me some advice, Ed Chamberlain gave me some advice, and it was actually Ed Chamberlain that said to me that you need to create something online uh, to showcase what you, you know, if it's interviews, or just showcase what you do. And I didn't have Twitter. Um, and so I got Twitter at the beginning of summer last year and oh my goodness, it's the best thing I've ever done. The racing community on Twitter is amazing. And I'm really grateful to say that I don't ever see any nasty stuff, um, on my Twitter pages. It's all, it's, it's really all rainbows and daisies. And I can say that honestly, and I'm really grateful for it. It's lovely. Um, and it's helpful, especially, you know, if you've been busy and you haven't been able to keep up with the racing, you've got updates on Twitter and it's fantastic. So, yeah, I've got Twitter. Um, some really helpful people on there have been helping me share my interviews and stuff. I started to reach out to um, jockeys. I reached out first to Mick Fitzgerald and he kindly said, yes, you can interview me. So he was my first interview. And oh, my goodness, I was so nervous. It was amazing. Um, and my grandma said to me, why don't you get hold of John Franken? Because his father used to run the working hunter classes that my mum used to do hall shows at the farm. Um, so I just messaged him and I said, um, oh, you knew my granddad. Um, this is what I really want to do. Can I interview you? And he said, yeah. So everyone that I've interviewed has been so kind. And I've said, you know, would you be able to help me? Because it also gives me um, experience with interviewing. And 
I believe you never stop learning and I'm now learning from all different angles um, throughout lock in between the lockdown periods I was working in a bookies in a betting shop um, for Star Sports and it, it's been a really great experience because then I've seen punters firsthand the happiness the sadness what comes with it what you know what they enjoy and like I said the the stem of my passion is mainly from the horse but now I'm seeing all different sides punters race goers that go for the fashion for the day out for a glass of fizz um the trainers and it's really amazing and I'm really sorry I've gone on a muscle tangent <laughs> but that's um yeah that's it really so I'm just enjoying it because I'm learning so much and I'm excited now things are opening up because hopefully I can visit some more places and see more things in the racing world. Mm. Yeah, quite right. Um, Charlie, just interesting quote there from Hannah, obviously, um, you know, if, if, if you find something, you know, that, that you love to do, obviously you'll, you'll kind of never work, you know, a day in your life. And I suppose as, as someone who's, who's, you know, background and, and career has been, has been dominated by horse racing. Do you kind of still have that perception on what you do? Yeah, of course. I, I maybe think I work a few days of my life, as in, <laughs> as in but no, I, complete, I completely agree with Hannah, as in, it's, um, crikey, as I tell anyone that I sort of coach or work around, it beats working for a living. And, and certainly from a riding point of view as a jockey, yeah, as in, uh, I think you soon realise it's the, it's the easiest job, and I say job loosely, that you'll ever have. And it's, uh, it's just great fun. It's incredibly exciting. And, and yeah, I've been very fortunate to to then follow that up with, with the work that I do, working with all the young, talented horses and people, which is highly exciting, sort of seeing the hopeful stars of the future and being involved with them at their early stages is, is incredibly exciting. And, and yeah, I, I enjoy the, the bit of, of media work that I do. Uh, again, I, like Hannah, I, I've, I've enjoyed Twitter. Um, highly opinionated as my friends would tell you and, and I, I like saying how I feel which sometimes within racing I feel that people can be scared to actually genuinely say how I feel uh, how they feel and and, yeah. and you know as in I, I do enjoy the platform for that sort of thing and and again I've not really had any negativity on it the the only time I ever had any negativity was I had it through the last year of my riding career and by my own admission gave us a terrible ride at Warwick one day and was told by a bloke that I hope he hoped I died in a car crash on the way home, which was which was uh, interesting. Um, luckily, I was at the stage of my life where like, I messaged him when I got home and said, "Don't worry, mate. I got I got home safe and sound, thanks <laughs> for your concern." Um, but, but yeah, it, it is it's, it's an interesting aspect what Hannah says, and it's great that she's not had negativity on the platform because again, I've, over the last month or so, I've, I've delivered a couple of seminars that they have like a, a seven pound for seven pound claiming jockeys a sort of continuation day every year where they come and have some sessions on various things. And I've delivered some sessions on the sort of pros and cons of social media and, and sort of having the sort of mental plan of, of one, how you're going to use it, as we've seen with Ollie Robinson and the, te the test cricketer recently and how yeah. things can go wrong if you don't think carefully about what you put out there and also how you deal with the negativity that by being in the spotlight and having that fortunate profession, but the the sort of the negative of that is is that you put yourself out there to be criticized and criticized by people where money's involved so it, it, it's an interesting one and but but like i say, i think social media is great and, and it's a real positive that, he, that to hear from hannah that through her sort of new venture that she's had only good things happen from it and, and long may that continue mm. can i just i just wanted to say that um just going off of what you said about how to handle social media i mean I don't get me wrong. I think um, there are some people that like to test. Some people go on social media just to, you know, spark a bit of controversy. And I think it's how you deal with it. And um, I had an instance last year where someone had, um, I, I shared one of my interviews and someone commented, it was a guy and he said, oh, another fame hungry person wanting to promote their platform. Now that could have gone two ways with my answers. I could have turned around and said, Oh, how dare you, Tom, da da da. But instead, you know, you have to be sensible with these things because if you attack someone, they're of course going to attack you back. So I just said really politely, I just said, Hi Tom, um, I just wanted to, you know, tell you a little bit about me and what I'm doing. I'm actually trying to build my social media so I can pursue my dreams and goals. And it was really rewarding because he messaged me back and he said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to sound rude. I look at you differently now. And 
I was so glad I did that. And then I see some people on Twitter when they bite back at comments. Yeah. And because it's a typed word, you can interpret that sentence many different ways. And you have to be smart about it and think, actually, I'm, I'm just going to be the bigger person. I'm going to be sensible here. And then you can diffuse an argument because you can't, you know, some people are on there to argue for a living. And it's just, mm. <laughs> there's no need yeah. for it. And, you know, there's ways to, to deal with that. But sorry, this is the last thing. Um, at college as well, we're taught about social media, like, you know, our pe- appearance is our CV and how we, um, how we are is our CV. So we were always taught about social media and how to promote ourselves on it because now social media is essentially your CV. Mm. Yeah. And where you promote your business. Yeah. So. I completely agree with that. Again, and it's certainly what the young riders are 100% being taught now. You know, if, if you want to have your social media to further your professional career, then it needs to be around your professional career, you know? So, yeah. And, and, and yeah, like I say, we are seeing this, that, that, that certainly for anyone younger out there that, that is looking to go into these sort of things, you have to be very careful and think about what you're putting on mm. social media because once it's out there, there, there's no taking it back, you know? So it, um, you, you have to box clever with it all. Yeah, you certainly do. Um, I think as, as kind of examples that you both put up as well, I think when you directly, you know, respond to these people in a kind of calm, professional manner, uh, you, you often find that they, they, they're a bit stumped, you know, these kind of trolls or, you know, people that, 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 that kind of, like you say, go go onto, onto Twitter and, and try and start an argument for a living. And, and they kind of almost don't really know what to say when, you you know, you, you, you kind of contact them directly. So um, I think that's obviously, you, you know, a useful tool in, in circumstances like that. Of course, there's always the uh, just the ignore and block option if it, if it becomes a little bit volatile on there, which, of course, it can. But uh, obviously, like you say, it's, uh, luckily, Hannah, you've not had too many bad experiences. And, and Charlie, bar that, you know, one quite disgraceful comment. Um, hopefully it wasn't too bad for you either during your career. Um, Hannah, um, just a quick one. Obviously, you're, you're heading up to York um, later today. Is that kind of to, to interview people? Is that to speak to people? Yeah, so it's um, on behalf of uh, Race Day. And uh, it's, yes, tomorrow. But I'm heading up tonight because um, I think it's about a four-hour drive, I think. But, hey, listen, I don't mind long drives. It doesn't bother me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to York races before. So it's going to be, you know, walking around, um, talking to people. So if anyone's listening and you're there tomorrow, do come over and say hello. And I'm excited to meet people as well. And I always find it interesting why they're there, because even though the obvious is for the racing, it's different reasons. It might be a meetup. Maybe people haven't seen each other for ages over the pandemic. Maybe, um, you know, you've got like a, a, a young young one who's a racing enthusiast and is going with their mum and dad you know there's many different reasons and it's really interesting so yes if you're there tomorrow come and say hello <laughs> brilliant now, who, who's your favorite who's been your favorite person to interview so far could, could you pick one out um let me think let me think uh okay i've loved them all just to put that out there i absolutely <laughs> love it because <laughs> because i um you know like i said i'm learning new things all the time but i love interviewing the the, the jockeys that um, from before I was born, let's just say, because it normally is before I was born. And <laughs> even though I'm really grateful for YouTube, it's fantastic. Because if it wasn't YouTube, I just have to imagine it. But when I interviewed Richard Pittman, he talked me through um, the Grand National on Crisp. And the detail he gave me was incredible because even though I was interviewing it, it was like a, an amazing story. And he told me every detail, it was playing out in my head. Um, and what I found is with my interviews, I always say this to everyone, I always prepare questions, but I do tend to tangent off because I'm genuinely interested. And one thing I was asking Richard was, you know, the difference in, um, the style of riding. So, you know, back in the day, uh, national hunt jockeys would ride longer in their leg and then now the stirrups are hoiked up. So I'd ask things like that, but yeah, I really enjoyed Richard's interview but yeah I've, I've absolutely loved all of them and it's nice because I can look back and although I think anyone would say this is not pleasant watching yourself back but it's really interesting <laughs> that I have this personal archive myself as almost like a textbook where I can you know it's like oh wow yeah they did this they did that and uh yeah but actually who, who else Hannah just before while you're thinking so you've watched it back now did he go too did he go too soon on on Chris should he have saved a little bit <laughs> 
know, it was funny because I said to him, um, I was like, well, first of all, you know, when everyone talks about red rum and, and in my mind, I'm like, this is a huge celebrity. And, and I said to Richard, you know, you had what he told me as well that he'd ridden red rum at one point, but I found it amazing because I was like, you know, you were there, you were, he was next to you. I said, could you hear him? Could you see him? Um, but he said that, I mean, I might get this wrong, but he said that when red rum came out on the outside, it almost then, it wasn't giving Crisp any competition to push. So it was kind of a good tactic to go around him and give him space. He said something along those, <clears throat> excuse me, something along those lines. And in my head, I could just imagine. I mean, you know, when you uh, when you watch the replay on YouTube, like even though you know the outcome, it's so intense. I remember before interviewing Richard, I watched it so many times, and I said I knew the outcome, but I kept cheering you on, <laughs> thinking that it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, on a, uh, I split actually that interview into three parts, and because um, I thought it, it's easier to watch in smaller sections. So on my channel, it's a uh, part two, but it was oh, honestly, it, it, I don't need to promote my channel. But if you did want to watch it, I I really enjoyed watching, listening to it. No, absolutely. I'm sure it'll be very, very insightful um, listening. So obviously, yeah, make sure to, to check out Hannah's uh, YouTube channel for, for all of her interviews. Uh, Charlie, just, just obviously on a side note from that one, the uh, the crisp red rub, you know, Grand National, it, it still makes the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it, I mean, it, it shows a change in shape of racing. I mean, Chris was a champion chaser, two-mile champion chaser, <laughs> Dom, you know, as in, yeah. a, I think it's highly unlikely in the in the modern era of racing where, a lot of the time, horses are put into sort of stereotypes, or, or I don't, I don't want to say boxes, but you, where that they they are either a two mile chaser or a three mile chaser or whatever else. But to see the versatility for a horse that was a two mile champion chaser and then, and was given such an aggressive ride and, and treated the fences with the, the fences as they were then with absolute disdain, it's. Uh, it's um I I, don't, I remember my, again your your shape by your parents and and your you know I remember my dad being up in arms and telling me about it and how what a travesty it was that Chris had got beat and as you as we all know as in for me as a youngster coming through Red Rum is a is a racing legend but uh, yeah. I think to a lot of purists on on the day that it, they they all found it galling that Chris started the display he'd given managed to get overhauled and and of course that was the sort of first chapter in the in the red rum legend that he became round entry wasn't it yeah yeah the the first of uh the first of three successes of course i think i think he came uh second on on two occasions as well i believe second twice yeah Yeah. so he he won his first two tries round there then he was second twice and then he he won his his fit on his fifth attempt to to have the three grand national victories which are yeah i mean tiger roll is in where he won two but i'm not sure it'll ever be matched in in our lifetime, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Be a, a, a very, very tough record to uh, to match, as you say, and and obviously, yeah, just crisp as a as, as a champion chaser. I mean, to put it into context, it's it's like seeing Altior running the Grand National next year. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, exactly. it's <laughs> it's uh, very, very hard to envisage. Although it would be great to see. Um, yeah, fantastic to reminisce, um, uh, guys. We'll, we'll just we'll just move on to the, um, the the brand new racing syndicate that obviously that, that, that we've kind of got in house. Uh, it's called Sky's the Limit. There's currently two horses in training with uh, Ollie Murphy out the Glen and eavesdropping. And Charlie, I believe um, eavesdropping was broken in with you. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. Quite a, quite a, quite a while ago now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a really exciting. A really exciting venture, Dom. You know, as in, um, can you tell us all like what, what, how do people get involved with this? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, obviously, we've, we've got the website, um, um, skiesthelimit.co.uk, or, or, or follow us on Twitter, um, and, and obviously, just, just you know, DM us, get in touch. Um, there's five percent shares available uh, in Out the Glen, ten percent shares available uh, in eavesdropping. But of course, we're very, very flexible. Um, you know, we obviously see. Eve dropping particularly as a, a, a as an exciting mare, of course, a bumper winner uh, has has some good form um, with a horse called Betty Baloo, I believe, trained by Tim Easterby, who um, who, who beat Eve dropping uh, uh, both on their first starts, and then Betty Baloo then went and won under a penalty. 
and then came yeah. second, carrying a double penalty. So the form's pretty strong. Um, she's also eligible for the Great British Bonus Scheme, um, which I believe includes, I think it's like £20,000 per race bonus, which you, you, you put into context some races That's correct, where, yeah. Uh, yeah, where, where a winner might you know might take, say, £5,000 or something. I mean, it's obviously a great incentive, and obviously we, we don't want to kind of get too excited just yet, but you look at the uh, the championship races at the Cheltenham Festival, and of course the uh, champion hurdle, the champion chase, both won by mayors, so obviously, it's, it, you know, it's, it's an exciting time, um, you know, to get involved, of course. Um, uh, just uh, a sign on out the Glen. He was he was previously trained by uh, by Deborah Hamer. Charlie, I don't suppose you've got any opinion on a difference of environment and how that might benefit a horse. Well, I, I think like all these things, Dom, you know, a change of scenery, just just like a, a human being, you know, a, a change is as good as a rest, and and so for sure from going from a, a one training environment to another can, can really invigorate a horse. I mean, just looking at out the Glen now, you know, he, he, um, he's rated 97. He's, he's won a couple of races, hasn't he? You know, mm. and he's, he's been a pretty consistent yep. handicapper. He's, uh, he's had one, one go chasing and, and yep. round Foss last and, and sort of, you know, he, he got a bit of experience into him, didn't he? And, and, and you'd be, hoping off of a mark of 97 he should be a horse that can go on and one can run plenty and and two more than pay his way yep. alongside having eavesdropping who's the you know with, with the great spec in the world that maybe the younger more exciting one yep. that, that that can sort of progress hopefully beyond out the glen but but like i say having a horse like that in a syndicate that is tough and hardy can run plenty has shown the ability to win races and can mix and match chasing and hurdling is mm. is such a, a valuable thing to, to give people plenty of fun. And, and and what being involved with a syndicate is about is, yes, we want to win, but we want to have good fun and great crack along the way, you know. So having a horse that can go to the races often means we all get more days out. We all get more time to spend together. Now we're moving out of lockdown times and and get on the track, have a few drinks, cheer the horse on and, and, and win or lose, sort of celebrate being around it. And, and, and it's an exciting time and, it, and it's, a, it's a real great initiative from you guys and people should really look it up and get involved. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think um, eavesdropping, I think you quite rightly say that probably the, you know, the fresher, more exciting horse, um, obviously having, having won her last start at Fontwell, you know, a, 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 I think it was only a three-runner bumper field, uh, but she's, you know, she did it nice enough. And uh, and obviously I believe Ollie's plan is to, is to send her hurdling. So um, obviously the dream is to be there perhaps on, you know, the April meeting, you know, Mayor's Day at Cheltenham. That would obviously be fantastic. Um, so obviously, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, everyone can, can, can get involved and have a bit of good fun and, and out the glare and the air a really fun you know syndicate type as well and has a good you know mix of experience over fences and hurdles and uh and obviously hopefully ollie can you know can get him back to you know his best level of form uh, hannah i don't know if you've been involved with syndicates before have you had any experience with them in the in the past no i haven't and it's funny because i was just about to ask you actually so my mum often says to me um oh you know what what tell me about uh, about syndicates and, and how could I do it? And I just wanted to ask you, for someone listening to this who may may not know at all about syndicates and may think, is that for them? What kind of person can get involved in this? Because it really can be anyone, can't it? Yeah, of, of course. And I, th- I think that's the beauty, particularly, you know, it, it, of, of syndicates a, a, as a whole. It's obviously the costs aren't, you know, reliant on one person. And, and obviously there's, there's shares available, you know, if, if you want 5%, 10%, 20%. Of course, it, 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 it's kind of, you know, not not limited in, in, in that, you know, aspect. Um, and I, th- I think it's a great incentive, as, as Charlie says, for, for kind of people who particularly, you know, aren't, you know, as financially secure as others, but but still want to get involved in, in, in horse racing racing and still want that thrill of ownership you know and 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 of course you look at the likes of of, of diva racing you know they're, they're one that come to mind and, and look at them you know captain tomcat you know won three you know starts over fences and then went and ran a, a, a cracker in, in the summer plate at market race and the other week carrying top weight so you know there's obviously still great horses that, that people can get involved with and obviously we're, we're confident that that the eavesdropping could be a, you know a good horse over hurdles for us and again like you say is a, a great british bonus scheme it's it's a fantastic initiative and uh, uh and yeah so it, it's just for anyone i suppose that's that's the beauty of of, of what we do um and uh, and we're very much looking forward to um, to seeing you know how the how the season progresses and we've got two good horses and hopefully that could be more you know 
sorry, that last bit just cut out. <laughs> Hello? Might, can you hear me now? Is that the, this? It might yes, be, yes, yes, might I can be hear you. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, it, I suppose it, it, in answer to your question in, in the short term, it, it, it's for anyone. You know, any, anyone can get involved. So, of course, yeah, get in touch. Office at skiesthelimitracing.co.uk by email or head over to the website skiesthelimitracing.co.uk. Uh, Ollie Murphy, of course, you know, needs no introduction. You know, Charlie knows him well. Uh, grade one winning trainer only just entering his his fifth year you know warren chase is a is a fantastic um facility i, I believe you heading there next week hannah is that correct yes yes on tuesday i was just going to say actually so one thing that i'm really keen on doing is getting people involved in the sport who may have a bit of a misconception about the sport yeah. um because you know it's very natural for humans to um get a little bit of information and then form an opinion and you know and unless you're educated on that um, then you know your opinion is not going to change and I'm a real big believer that we can all um, encourage new people into the sport so I think this is also a good opportunity uh, for someone who you know like you said who wouldn't financially be able to afford a whole horse let's say themselves um, and you know for having to own part of a horse would probably encourage someone to think yeah you know i've got a real purpose now to go to the races and it's a bit like following football if you've got your team that you love 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 you're going to support them and follow them everywhere so i think this is also a great way for someone who's new to the sport and like i said encouraging new faces into the industry yep quite right um charlie hannah just talked about you know people perhaps with a a a misconception uh of the sport so i suppose we we can probably that's enough of an excuse to 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 briefly touch upon um obviously the the panorama documentary um aired aired by the bbc earlier this week um called the the dark side of horse racing i think you 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 absolutely hit the nail on the head um uh with with your post on twitter um just you know is is this just a case of horse racing probably just needs to do better for horses post-racing you know, as opposed to what it's probably been perceived as, you know, holding the entire, you know, the entirety of the sport as, as, as responsible for this? I think, look, as in without going into it too much, and I'm, I'm sure we have to be careful, but uh, to me, uh, the programme should have probably been called the dark side of abattoirs because uh, mm. I think watching on, as I said on my Twitter post, which is, is out there, and I stand by. I, I mean, I, I can't believe that anyone within horse racing wasn't horrified about what that they saw was sort of seemingly standard practice in this establishment. Um, from a point of view, does racing need to do better? Of course it does. Um, it has to. I mean, but I, I also think racing has to come out there and sort of trumpet what the, the giant strides that have been made as in most of the yards, or no, not most, that's not fair, all of the yards that I have ridden for have always gone to proper lengths to rehome horses that are capable of having careers outside of the industry and and take pride in seeing them go on to do other tremendous things. I mean, we're seeing the ROR movement get stronger and stronger, the, the racehorse to riding horse classes that they have at shows. I mean, actually, the other day, I've, I've started dabbling in, in having a couple of lessons at playing polo dom and i went down to see the <laughs> gold cup semi-finals at, at calgary the other day which is the oh yeah the pinnacle of the sport the um, you know the absolute world's best players and and again there with the amount of x racehorses that were now high-end polo ponies was was a beggar's belief you know so yeah. there are so many outlets for our racehorses that we love and, and hold dear that racing is doing plenty now does that mean that things can't be done even better yes and does it mean that maybe there needs to be something in place where when a horse's racing career finishes there are some sort of steps that have to be gone through that are regulated to make sure that the horse is rehomed in the right way 100 percent, maybe that needs to happen because what we don't want to see is horses ending up in third party control and having this harrowing end to their lives that was played out on the Panorama program. But I also do feel that there was a lot of, you know, there were two trainers stated, and again, with no real hard absolute facts of them being involved in the process that was played out. And also there was a lot of insinuation and innuendo without what I could see was hard facts of who they were trying to pin the blame on. Mm. So I do hope that from the programme, 
there has been a, a lot more information forwarded on to the authorities because yes, if they can prove that people within racing are profiting and knowingly subjecting horses to this process, then then of course they need to be brought to task about that. And I don't think anyone would disagree with that, you know. But like yeah. I say, I think there is a balance to racing, making sure people are aware of what we do when a horse's career is over mm-hmm. and also then reflecting on what's come out of the program to see are there things we could do better. Yep. Very, very well said, Charlie. Uh, agree with every single point there. Uh, so the big question from that is, have you got a career in polo lined up? <laughs> it's in the offing. My, my, <laughs> my, my, my wife has just walked in the door who's actually pretty accomplished. And so, yeah, we're, we're, it's something that we're, she's sort of steering me into and we're, we're doing together, which is, which is great fun. Yeah. But, uh, I just like you, as we've discussed before, mate. I've gone for hours without talking about sport. As in, I'm spending my summer playing football and cricket, and yep. having a dabble at polo. I've actually tried playing real tennis, which I don't know if you've ever seen. is the most wacky sport in the world. So, oh, wow. whatever sporting, I, I, I'm more than happy to give it a go. And, and yeah, if I can spend my downtime doing that, I'm, I'm a happy man. So we're gonna see. We're gonna. I think we're gonna. I'm gonna put in plenty of practice through the rest of the summer and. You never know. I, I might try and have a game next year, a, a, a competitive game next year. So watch this space. Brilliant. <laughs> well, we, 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 no, no doubt we will be kept, we will be kept updated with that as uh, as it progresses. I actually went um, paddle boarding a couple of weeks ago with my girlfriend, uh, and I only ended up in the water twice, I believe. So it wasn't a complete failure. Um, but yes. So is that in a lake or in course. the sea? In the lake or in the sea? Uh, oh, that it was only in a lake. Yeah, only in the lake. Ah, uh, um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I might go to the sea um, if I have a few more goes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so, <laughs> what was it? What was it you said, Hannah? Sorry, do you have a question there? I, I was just going to say it's really good to your core stand up paddleboarding. Oh, it is. <laughs> I yeah. used to work at yeah. I used to work at an inland beach when I was fourteen, and uh, we had a chance to go stand up paddleboarding. I loved it. I mean, I did fall in a few times, but. <laughs> I mean, I was on a peaceful lake. I'm sure it's right in the sea. It's a little bit, you know, a bit uh, rocky. But yeah. yeah, no. I'm sure it's great fun. Yeah, no. I think I think the sea is would would be next level. Um kind of kind of quality yeah. wouldn't it yeah the, the, the lake the lake was probably enough for me i think a, a canal probably would have been tough <laughs> but a lake was uh was hard enough um but again as you Charlie... might not want to fall in the canal though. You know, <laughs> no canal. definitely not no i think i think you'd uh you'd find a few things in there that you probably wouldn't forget if you uh if, if you ended up in there no doubt about that um uh guys i, I suppose uh, we're, we're kind of nearing the end of the show um I'll, I'll just come just for a couple of opinions for you of course we've got the the king george uh the sixth and queen elizabeth stakes at Ascot this Saturday. Um, Love currently heads the betting, uh, followed by the Derby winner, Adea. I think he's only the second Derby runner to run in this race in the last 10 years. I think it's a, it's quite quite an incredible record. Um, Lone Eagle, Mishriff and Wonderful Tonight also feature. Um, Charlie, I'll come to you first. Are you swaying one way or the other? Is Love a worthy favourite here? I, I think uh, this is like the ultimate sitting on the fence, which isn't really the way I want to be. But like, I think Love is a worthy favourite. I think she is short enough at 11 to 8, 5 to 4, if I'm honest. You know, as in, yep. she was brilliant last year, but I'm not quite sure that it was, the, you know, it was a vintage generation. And, mm-hmm. you know, she then stepped out of female only company and won the Prince of Wales stakes at, at, at Ascot. But again, I'm not, it, I, again, it's terrible picking holes in a horse with a, with, a, with a fantastic resume, but it maybe wasn't the strongest race in the world. And so I think she is going to have to step forward again now, having to give away the the weight for age allowance, which is because yeah. she is a four-year-old, she has to give eight uh, eight pounds or more. I think eight pounds with a Phillies allowance to the the three-year-old Colts. And and so, um, um, like you say, it is it is fabulous. The King George always used to be a clash of the generations. It'd mm. be one of the first times we'd see the three-year-old middle distance Colts and Phillies taking on their their older rivals and. We've, we've lost that in recent times. So it's great to see Adea and, of course, Lone Eagle, who was second in the Irish Derby, coming here to, to take on Love. So I'm, I'm waffling. Is Love a worthy favourite? Yes, she is. But I still think she needs to step up again to win this. But that is highly likely because, again, at Royal Ascot, they'd made noises that she was only just ready. If she comes forward from that, she looks so tough and straightforward. 
that she is the one they have have to all beat in what is a fascinating clash, Dom. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a proper, proper Group 1 race. I think this isn't it. You know, of course, you've got wonderful tonight. You probably need the heavens to open. Will she run with the ground? The uh, ground that has to be a concern. Yeah, that's the thing. She'll, she'll need some rain, won't she? Um, which, of, which, of course, is it, it might not be on the realms of possibility because they're... You know, there's kind of forecast that, it, that there might be some rain over the weekend. Um, I suppose, you know, if, if that isn't the case or if there's not enough rain, I, I would imagine that, she, you know, if, if she's a late withdrawal, I mean, it won't surprise you, will it? Um, no. Of course, she's, you know, she's won twice over course and distance um, in good enough style. And, and again, if, if, the, if, if the ground is, you know, on the, the, the softer side, um, you know, than, 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 is, than is, uh, it is at the moment, um, she would have to be another one that, you know, you'd have to sort of put into the, uh, into the firing line as, as, a, as a potential winner of this, wouldn't she? You know, so um, yeah. Again, as you say, a proper proper clash of the generations. Of Mishriff as well, and, and Lone Eagle, quite really, as you say, came second in the in, in the Irish Derby. Um, Hannah, you know, a day is form. Couldn't have been sort of franked quite as strong. You know, Hurricane Lane has, has won two Group One since. Um, I, I guess he, on paper and on form, he, he has to go close, doesn't he? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I looked at the, the forecast, it's raining at one o'clock this morning, all the way, into, well, my phone only says to 11 o'clock, so it's um, 30% rain going up to 80% rain, so wow. I wrote that down this morning, you come to letters, it's going to rain tonight. Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, because obviously the spotlight is on love, and she is the favourite, um, but... I would like um, to see a day win. I think it'd be really nice um, after the Derby win. Yeah. Uh, just to, you know, I just think it would be you know it would be nice and to keep that hype up. Um, but it's it's one of those things when I always say this and then I'll be cheering on love. But you know, I think it's going to be close. And my forecast would be a day a love mistress. Um, I think it's it's going to be a fantastic race. Mm-hmm. Um, six horse field, but you know it's it's going to be brilliant and. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be really close, but I do. I'm going with Adaya. Adaya. That, that, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Adaya, Adaya for Hannah. I think. Uh, yeah, it's it, 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 it's. I just think it's a very very open contest. Yeah, I, I'm getting the feeling as well, Charlie, that you might just be siding with Adaya. Is that is that fair? Uh, no, 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 I don't think it is. As in, uh, as in, uh, as in Adaya, the only the only. The only question mark I have with Adaya is it seemed like the Derby was an afterthought and Charlie Appleby was talking about more St. Ledger's and even Queen's vases and then he sprang that surprise in the Derby. I mean, the form, is, as you say, has been, is franked by Hurricane Lane, but there was the question mark about him losing front shoes and whatever else. It depends how much you read into that. Yep. I, I would love for the for the Derby as a race to see Adaya come and win, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's a very open contest as Hannah's alluded to and, and then when you truck in Mishriff as an 8-1 to one outsider who's a, who's a multiple group one winner himself it shows a strength but prices are relevant I'm, I'm still going to side with, with Love I, I, I think she's tremendously tough she's tactically versatile and if she comes on for Royal Ascot which Aidan O'Brien's often do come for for their first run she could just still be the standout in this race yeah yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to see Love win it. Uh, really, really beautiful looking horse. Uh, obviously, yeah, fantastic. I think chasing her fifth Group One uh, in succession. Uh, if the heavens do open, I'm gonna go with Wonderful tonight. Of course, if she gets the you know the softer conditions. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Love and a day a proper proper clash of the ages, and uh, very very much looking forward to it. Um, guys, that's the end of the show. Uh, really, really appreciate both of your time, uh, Hannah. We obviously wish you a, a safe trip up to York uh, and, and a fruitful venture up there and Charlie will catch up with you on the next show and have a good weekend guys look forward to it cheers Dom cheers thank you bye